mental exercise today, and I'm going to uh, have Bruce throw up a few images, and here's what we're going to do. At the side of each image, we're going to throw up three different types of trees, and you're going to identify what those trees are. So I don't know if you've ever seen an aspen tree. Uh, those are not going to be in this particular uh, scenario. Aspen trees are aspen trees just because they are. Um, we're not going to actually look at those, and, and that's a YouTube reference. You've got to look it up uh, to know what an aspen tree is. All right, it's pretty neat uh, is all I'll say about that. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to use your brain today, okay, just for a second, and then we're going to open up into John 15 and Colossians 1, and we're going to look at a couple of different passages and break it down uh, today. And, and this conversation may carry into next week. I don't know what, what will happen, but, but it may. So here is, and again, I want you to, to be confident, all right? If you get it wrong, just, just be confident. But I believe that you all are capable of doing it. So let's go, number one, what kind of tree is this? Orange tree. Did anyone get that wrong? This is probably the easiest of the three. Now let's go to tree number two. What kind of tree is this? Apple tree. Now it's apples. Don't be, don't be difficult to say pears. Just a red delicious or whatever kind of apple that is. Now we're going to go to tree number three. Lemons. So I didn't know lemons actually grew on significant trees, but they do. All right. So, so who all got all three of those correct, whether you blurted it out or just said it internally? Let's just give yourselves good job. Good job. You may not hear that all week. You may not be celebrated all week, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with our tree knowledge this morning. I'll be honest. Now I want to read Colossians 1 verse 10. And then we're going to go to John chapter 15. And this is what I want you to consider as we get into those particular passages of Scripture. Christians, Christ followers, little Christs, should live in a way that people see Christ in them. And as we grow closer to the Lord, the Spirit of God will strengthen our faith, but also increase our fruit we bear for the name of Jesus. Bearing fruit for the name of Jesus is what we should strive to do as we desire to see the world come to repentance and faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. Faith and works which go hand in hand as they grow... The world should see Jesus in us without us having to say it. So I want you to consider that and hold that thought as we dig into these particular passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, and then we're going to go to John chapter 15. Paul says to the church of Colossae, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then John chapter 15, we have one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. They're all beautiful, so I'll say that every week. And I might, you might get annoyed by me saying, this is the most beautiful passage. This is my favorite passage. It's all pretty good, all right? It's all pretty beautiful, and it's all kind of my favorite. But Jesus is talking to his disciples. You, I mean, we were just merely minutes away from him going to the garden, and him getting arrested, and him being crucified on your behalf and on mine. I mean, we're just moments away, and Jesus is spending these last few moments, you know, as kind of like a time to prepare them, but also get them 
anticipating what it's going to be without them, without him. So he's trying to prepare them for the moments of his arrest and his humiliation and his crucifixion, and and as he's going to be on full display for the world to see. And, and they're not un, they're they're hearing Jesus, but they're not really getting it because they couldn't imagine the Savior of the world being truly mocked and humiliated and crucified in this particular manner. So Jesus is trying everything he can to prepare them for that, but also to encourage them for what life is going to be because we know that Jesus was soon going to be gone. So Jesus goes on to say, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already, You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Listen to that. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now if you're still in your Bible or app, whatever you're using today, I want you to go to Galatians chapter Five. Galatians chapter 5. This is where Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. And he discusses the fruit of the Spirit. But notice the placement of this particular text and what it actually follows. If you were to flip your Bible back a page and read the beginning of chapter 5... You'll see that Christ has set us free, but then he also goes on to talk about the fruit of the flesh, or the works, or the desires of the flesh. And there are people that are going to live by the flesh, or people that are going to live by faith. And people that live by the flesh are are kind of wavering from one situation to the next, and they follow this lust, and they follow that desire, and they carry out that sin, and they have really no mental picture or, or any kind of understanding of any kind of you know, eternal punishment or separation. There's no consequences for my decisions. I'm going to live in the moment. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And, and, and we live in this culture that tells us you're just fine the way you are and, and no one should ever condemn you or ever confront you and just do life how you want to do it. So Paul kind of talks about people that do that at the beginning of this chapter and towards the middle. And he talks about people who live by the flesh and, and they gratify the desires of the flesh and they just do whatever they want with no consequences. And how he ends verse 21, it says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the desires of their flesh, those who have no mental understanding of consequence of sin, those who actually view their decisions as just decisions and, and the way I live and not view them as sin, those who that live according to the flesh, they do those things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So then he transitions into another group of people that we consider ourselves as Christians who walk by faith, 
and who surrender ourselves to Christ. And he says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And let's read the nine attributes of the Spirit coming to fruition in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And now we see this, right? Verse 25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So here's what I want to do. I want you to consider this. When we looked at those three trees... How did you know what kind of tree it was? By the fruit that it carried. If those trees' branches were completely empty, would you have been able to identify what kind of trees those were just by viewing empty branches? Some of you may be. Some of you maybe know a little bit about trees, or maybe you've studied nature, and, and, and you know, maybe you were interested in these things, and you would happen to know. But for the common people like myself, if I were to walk in the woods, and I'll be honest with you, um, if you and I ever go in the woods together, don't ever tell me to go by the hickory or the oak tree. I don't know what they are, all right? I, I just see a big tree, a little tree, green tree, brown tree, uh, you know, the tree with the hole or the lump. Like, don't tell me the third oak tree from the tree stand. And that's where, I don't know what an oak tree really is or what it's used for. Uh, I just know it's a pretty big tree that has leaves. Some leaves are, are, are covering our parking lot every day or two. And some leaves stay green. I know the evergreens. I know that they're called evergreens. Why? Because they always stay green. Uh, I don't know any different type of tree, and I really don't desire to. I know the difference between a phlox tree, a prelit, and, and one that you have to light yourself. All right, those are the, that is the capacity of my tree knowledge. All right? And really, I have no desire to, to do any more. But I was able to look at those three trees and say, that was an orange tree, that was an apple tree, or that was a lemon tree. Why? Because the fruit was visible. So as it is with you and me. We are to live lives in such a way that people that know us, and here's what I want you to do. As we go through this next exercise in just a moment, I want you to consider how the people view you. How do people view you? Now, here's what I want you to also keep in mind as you do that. I don't want you to consider the people that can view you through a, you know, a filtered Facebook post that don't really know you or that can receive a, you know, a monthly or quarterly text that seems to be really friendly and polite. I want to know how, if you were to answer the question, how do the people that know you the best view you? Those are the kind of people I want you to consider, as I say, the people around you today in this context, those people that know you. I mean, they know what makes you tick. They know what ticks you off. They know what, what it is in your life that really gets you going and excited and what you're passionate about. But they also know your flaws. And they know those things that not everyone knows about your past and decisions you made and flaws that you have or, or insecurities that you struggle with. Those are the people I want you to consider. Do they see fruit in you? Because we just read a whole lot of Bible that teaches us and tells us, as Christ commanded his disciples before he left, you are going to bear fruit. 
You're going to bear fruit because as I leave, you abide in me, I abide in you. He says, he says, every branch that is in me that does not bear, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Talking about the Father taking away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And a pruning process, we know, is, is similar to the way of a rose bush. You will cut it and you'll, you'll work it. And then what happens the next year? More fruit is, more flowers come. Uh, the rose bush, more flowers come. Um, and then what happens, you know, the beautiful thing about the, the trees that you may see outside that may change colors, those leaves will fall. What will happen next spring? More leaves will come. And more fruit grows, and the leaves come back, and they change color, and they come back. And what we have to understand is that you and I must bear fruit for the name of Christ. You and I are commanded to bear fruit, and we are expected to bear fruit. Now, we, we can kind of have a difficult understanding of what it looks like to bear fruit. So that's what we're going to begin today. We may finish next week. It may go three weeks. I don't know. We may get into your own personal ministry, understanding that every single person here is a minister of their own, or for the name of Jesus, but you are a minister in one way or another. And, and the thing that may be very difficult for you to understand is you and I could be talking about bearing fruit. Well, you see me wearing a microphone or standing behind a pulpit, so you think that your bearing fruit has to look the exact same way. Well, I don't have a platform, or my name's not on a billboard, or my my face isn't seen on a Facebook post, so so I don't know how I bear fruit. That's what we're going to dig into today. So let let me read the first point, and then we'll get into the next. And this one, I'm going to read a little bit more from the phone than I usually would. But we just read the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what happens as you and I live in two ways. Full submission to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and in step with the Spirit. So what does that look like? On, you know, for an average, in a lay person's terms, what does it look like for the fruit of the Spirit to come to culmination in my heart and to be seen in the way that I live? First, it begins by you recognizing that you alone, before you came into relationship with Christ or before you surrendered your heart to Him as Lord and Savior, before you, know, you, you cried out to Him, before you were baptized, before you joined life group, before you started going to conferences or before you went to you know, youth camp year after year, we all have to come to a point in time in which we recognize we are sinners in need of a Savior. And once we come to that particular moment in time, we recognize that Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection was sufficient for me to be saved from my sin, to be washed whiter than snow, and then to be granted eternal life in Him alone. So when we come to that particular point of submission to Jesus, okay, I surrender myself completely to Jesus. He is my Savior. He's also my Lord. Therefore, if He is my Savior and my Lord, not only do I surrender to Him as my Savior to save my soul, but I also submit to Him as Lord. Therefore, I will obey His commandments and I will grow in His teaching and I will be and strive to be more and more like Him. So whenever we do that, we come to that point of repentance where we're turning away from sin. And repentance and sanctification is an ongoing process that that starts at conversion and it ends whenever we stand before him one of these days face to face and are welcomed home. Until I see Jesus face to face, until you see Jesus face to face, you ought to live more and more like him. So how does it come about for general people? Well, first it comes with that moment of repentance, that moment of conversion, that moment of being what we consider or discuss as being born again. That moment that Paul talks about, those who are in Christ are a new what? Creature. In order to be considered a new creature, we must be born again. So the Spirit of God takes 
the old me and makes me new. So whenever we consider ourselves to be a new creature, we must know that we are born again. We have old ways of life are gone. Paul says that you're a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. So that means that my habits, my interests, my lifestyles, my vocabulary, and my free time has to be different. Here's the thing that you have to understand. If your free time, if your habits, if your hobbies, your lifestyles, and your vocabulary is the same now as it was before Jesus, and it wasn't good then, and it's not good now, then you have to understand if your conversion to Christianity or your following of Jesus was authentic, or if it was an emotional attachment that you had for a moment. We have to understand, is this a true, authentic conversion that I have? Okay, so if you were to look at the life before Jesus... Does it mirror or does it contrast very distinctly the life we live now? If things look the same, then we have, to, we have to examine the sincerity of our own heart and the authenticity of our own conversion. But if things are very distinctly different, that's something that we can praise the Lord about. If I was once dead in my sins and my trespasses and I was living in this particular habit and I was living by that lifestyle and my free time looked like this, but now because of Christ, I'm completely new, the old has what? passed away. If the old things and the old ways are still alive, then those things must be killed. The only way they're killed is by surrendering them to the feet of Jesus, calling upon his name, and by repenting of them, leaving them on the cross, and then walking away and living new. So when we come to that point in time in our own lives, we're considered new creatures. We've been Born again. And born again will happen on the inside. It's carried out on the outside. We will see it, you know, carried out as we take that step of faith and, and baptism in the name of Jesus. And as we take that step of faith and maybe join in a life group. And then we take that step of, of participating in this Sunday school class or leading that study. And then what happens as we are f- living in submission to Him, we will then walk in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul said in Galatians 5, to walk in step with the Spirit. Here's what that kind of looks like for the general people, and the general people, including myself. We all know those times that we do something, and immediately after we do it, the Spirit of God, it's like He hits us over the head. Or we say something, and it's like immediately the Spirit of God hits us over the head, and our foot is stuck in our throat. Or, or those times that we know we shouldn't be looking at, we know we shouldn't be thinking this, we know we shouldn't be acting like, and what happens is the Spirit of God will convict us. What is the Spirit of God convicting us for? Well, He's convicting us so that we can grow more and more like Christ. So the word, little, or the, the word Christian literally means to be a Christ follower or a little Christ. So if I'm going to consider myself a Christian, then therefore, therefore I must look like a little Christ, knowing I'm never going to live to the standard of Jesus, I'm never going to live to his holiness, but it is my life's mission to be as holy as I can, not so that I can put myself above others or boast about it, so that I can please the Lord my God. That's what I live in holiness for, to bring glory to his name. And when the Spirit of God convicts me, and when the Spirit of God hits me over the head after I do something, it is my responsibility to repent of that and never do it again. And then to grow closer to him. So he's convicting you, not because you're a horrible person and and you should feel the weight of it and you are going to burn if you don't repent right now in this moment. Yeah, you might burn if you don't repent and call upon his name. That's one thing. 
but he convicts you to make you and to shape you and to mold you into a better reflection of Jesus for the world to see. So that is what it looks like to live in submission to Jesus. He is my savior. I walk by faith. I believe in him as my payment. I believe in him as my redeemer. I believe in him as my life giver as he left the tomb empty. And then I walk in step with the spirit by obeying these promptings and by repenting of these sins that he convicts me of. And here's the beautiful thing. The, the longer you live in step with the Spirit, the greater you'll walk. So in step, I want you to think about literally in step. And I can't help but to picture, Harry, you know this, that first drill session I had in MCRD San Diego when the drill instructor is yelling left and I'm on my right. You know, and I'm completely out of step and I don't know what he's doing. Tim, you remember this. And, and he's yelling left, right, low, right, and, and here I am on right, left, and, and everything's out of step. Well, after 13 weeks, man, we were all in step. Why? Because we worked on it. And because it was a repetition day after day after day. The same is true with you in your spiritual journey and in your faith. If you just completely neglect and, and ignore the promptings of the Spirit, you'll just continue to aimlessly wander in life and have no unity with you and the Spirit. But in order to step in step with the Spirit, I obey His promptings. I live by His Word. I know the commands of Jesus. And here's the other thing. We can't follow Jesus if we don't know what He said. Therefore, it's pretty important that we open this thing up and we read and we study and we listen to what Jesus said and we live how Jesus lived. So, so it's very important for you to to live in submission to Jesus as Lord, you walk in step with the Spirit by obeying His promptings. You walk in step with the Spirit by knowing His Word, growing in the nature and the character of who God is and what He is. And then you also participate in a setting like this or in a setting like in the other building at 9.30 or in a setting like tonight at 5 or 5.30 or, or Monday night or Thursday night or Wednesday afternoon as you grow together in the Word. So that is what it looks like for the fruit of the Spirit to come to culmination in you. It only happens by submitting and living in constant submission to Jesus and by walking in step with the Spirit. We grow in the Word. We spend time in prayer and we also spend time with the Lord in worship here publicly, corporately, but also on our own. So that is how the fruit of the Spirit is to come about. You know, whenever we look at those nine attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, we know that there is a source to that fruit. The source is the Spirit. You alone on your own strength, will never be able to conduct yourself with all nine attributes like the Spirit of God can. Because if you were to look at your life before and then after, you would see that you grow in love. You'll see that you'll grow in patience. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you'll see that you love, that you'll grow in self-control. But that is how the fruit of the Spirit comes to life in us. The second thing was we just discussed that the fruit was visible. The fruit was visible on those trees. That's how we were able to determine exactly what kind of tree was what. Because we looked at the fruit and because we knew what the fruit was. See, that's the beautiful thing. We didn't know what kind of tree it was until we saw the fruit. So you're going to be one of two people as Jesus talks about people that don't bear fruit and people that do bear fruit, people that are pruned, people that bear fruit, abide in Christ, they live in submission, they walk in step with the Spirit, people that don't, he literally considers them to be firewood. 
I mean, they're just, they're just snatched up and they're thrown into the fire. So we have to ask ourselves, are we bearing fruit? And the dangerous promise that comes is that if we do not bear fruit, if we do not live in relationship with Jesus, we could just be considered as firewood, as dead branches that have no fruit. So the fruit must be visible. And one of the things that I was thinking about when I was looking at those three pictures, and I, I was really wanting to get a very like Amazon rainforest type fruit that no one would know, just to throw it up there, just to see who our uh, you know, real internet junkies are who read everything about everything. But you know, there was not one lemon on an apple tree. And there was not one orange on a lemon tree. The trees bore the fruit that they bore. And it made me think that if we aren't careful, we will live in a hypocritical way, thinking and actually trying to lie to ourselves and convince ourselves that we are something. But I didn't see one single apple on that orange tree. I could see it. So here's the thing. Here's what the danger of living in a hypocritical, false reality of your own faith is. You will think that I am. You'll think that you're an apple tree, but the whole world is looking at you, saying, "No, that's clearly oranges." I mean, you can lie to yourself all you want, and you can even fool yourself into thinking that you are a Christian. But the entire world sees that there is either nothing visible, or the way that you live is never going to be close to considering yourself as Christ. So it's fruit is visible. So we have to ask ourselves, do those people around me see fruit? Do the people that know me the best see Jesus in me? Do they see me growing in my faith? And here's what I want to do. I want to look at those nine attributes versus another way of living. So an antonym, which is the opposite. And we're just going to quickly run through these nine attributes. And I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this. Do the people that know me see blank in me? And we're going to fill in the blank. The first one is love. Not the people that you can fool on a Sunday morning with a smile and a how are you. I'm, I'm meaning the people that know you. The people that live life with you. The people that really know who you are, what you struggle with. The first one, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do people see love in you? Or do people see hate in you? Are you hardened Towards people, or do people have to earn your love, or are you freely loving like Christ freely loved broken, sinful, horrible people to the brink of death? So the first one is love. Do people see love in me, or is there more hate? The second attribute is joy. So do people see joy in me, or do they see misery? Am I joyful knowing that I'm not always going to be happy, but I can, I can rest assured in the promise and the blessing of God? Or am I constantly miserable, making everyone else's life miserable so we're, no one's happy? You know, the old saying is misery attracts what? Company. So are we living joyful, sharing that, or are we just constantly miserable and, and bitter and, and then just making it miserable for everyone else? Because people see one of these two things in you. They either see someone who is joyful and who is just constantly rejoicing in the Lord, or they see someone who is just constantly miserable, begrading this person, or talking about that news station, or talking about this politician, and they just constantly spend their life making everyone else miserable around them. The third one is peace. Do people see peace in you, or are you constantly worrying? 
Are you constantly tossed from this circumstance to the next and, and this paycheck from the next and, and, and this theory to the next? I mean, are you, are you peaceful? Are, are you resting in the promise of God and are you at peace even in the midst of a storm? Or are you constantly living in worry? Let's talk about patience. <laughs> oh, boy. I need to just go to the next one. Um, all right. Patience. What's the opposite of patience? Impatience. Or Trevor Lee. Or fill in your name. Whatever you want to say. Because uh, that is one that I struggle with. And, and we talked about in the other building prior to this. Let's go to kindness. See, kindness and goodness are very similar, but they're also different in the sense of this. Kindness is your attitude. Goodness is your action. All right, so are you a kind person or are you constantly bitter? Are you the person that whenever you get, when someone sees you in the car alone, are they like, this is going to be a beautiful ride? Or are you the person that, you know, no one wants to sit sit next to or talk about because instead of being kind, instead of being loving, instead of being patient, instead of being compassionate, you're just constantly bitter. And everything's broken, and everyone's wrong, and everything's going this way, and it's everyone else's fault. And then the next one is goodness. So uh, kindness, you can consider your attitude. Goodness, you consider your action. Are you living selflessly in the way that you love? Are you living selflessly to do good things? Paul said to the Colossians, he says, bearing fruit in every good work. Or are you living selfishly? Is it all about you? Should everyone cater to you? Are you the center of the universe that all 8 billion people and God himself have to revolve around in order for anything to be happy or anyone to be happy and anything to get done? So are we living good as in goodness or are we living selfish? The next one is faithfulness. Are we living, and, and the word faithfulness here literally means faithful to the Lord. So are we living in holiness, constantly pursuing more and more of who Jesus is and repenting of our sin and being sanctified by his spirit? Or do people see worldliness in us? They're going to see you either faithfully living for the Lord or they're going to see you constantly living in the world. Or sorry, faithfully living to the Lord and constantly living in the world. So what do people see in you? The next is gentleness. Do people see you as a gentle, approachable person? Or are you just very abrasive and unapproachable and no one would really want to ask you a question because they're afraid that you're going to say something that's going to be offensive, hurtful, or even kill them with your tongue? And the last one is self-control. Do people see self-control in you? Do people see someone that is disciplined in their time? Do people see someone that's disciplined in their resources? Do people see someone that is controlling themselves or do people see someone that is completely undisciplined in the proverbs and in the psalms we read a lot about discipline or self-control and it's actually considered that a man without discipline is like a city without walls anyone can just come in and and have access to it the same as is if we live without self-control if we live without discipline then any situation is just going to come in and have reign over who we are and it's going to control us or are we controlling ourselves by living in step with the spirit so do people see self-control or do they see you constantly living as undisciplined as you can making very impulsive horrible decisions based off emotion in a setting 
Or do they see someone that is controlled in all they do? The nine attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, ought to be visible in you. They ought to be visible in me. Why? Because it is the fruit that the Spirit of God works within us for the world to see. Or, if we are a non-fruit-bearing branch, a dead branch, apart from the Lord, then we'll live, with, we'll live in constant hate, misery, worry, impatience, bitterness, selfishness, worldliness, being unapproachable or very abrasive, and constantly undisciplined in the way that we live. So the question is, to begin this discussion of the fruit that we bear, that we are commanded to bear, that we are expected to bear for the name of Jesus, are we bearing fruit? Do people look at us and not have to question, are they a Christian or not? People ought to assume by the fruit that you bear, by the fruit that I bear, that we are Christian. You know those people that you don't have to ask what their church attendance is because you know by the fruit that they bear that they are little Christ. They're not to his standard, but they are constantly living in submission to him and in step with his spirit. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And the very, very difficult thing to overcome is what that fruit looks like. Well, we just looked at nine attributes. And then if we could go on into next, maybe next week or the week after, bearing fruit for the name of Jesus also means to share the gospel of Jesus with other people and to make disciples. When Jesus left, he said that you are my witnesses, that you are to go into what? Make disciples of all nations. That you are to go. He's talking to imperfect, broken, flawed human beings. As he is about to ascend into heaven, he is telling them, okay, my work here, it is finished. To Talisai, it's finished. The payment of sin is over. And death, hell, and the grave have been defeated. The tomb is now empty. Therefore, my job is done. It's time to go to work. It's time to get to work. And your responsibility, my responsibility to work for the Lord is to bear much fruit. So people see a true transformation in who I am, but then they also see me spending the rest of my life bringing God glory in every good work. And in every good work, my main motivation and focus is to see people come to repentance of sin and submission to Christ. Are you bearing fruit? The thing that you could ask yourself is this. How hard would it be for me to have to convince someone that I am a Christian? Or do people see it without even asking? If you would have to spend moments of time trying to convince someone that you are a Christian, it's probably because there is no fruit from you. So what we are to do is to see how we can grow in these nine characteristics of the Spirit living in us as we walk in step. But then also, are we bearing fruit for the name of Jesus when it comes to sharing the gospel and seeing other people hungry for him too? When was the last time 
that someone came to you or came to church, came to church with you or, or joined a life group because of you or just someone who, who, that you know that was far from Christ came to know Jesus because of the fruit that you bore based off the power of the Spirit. And what we are to do is to make disciples of all people. And we cannot make disciples of all people if we are living in the ways of the world and following the desires of the flesh. So are we fruitful or are we not? And here's the beautiful thing. As we conclude today, Jesus said, If you abide in me, I abide in you. And it is you that will bear much fruit. So maybe because you aren't bearing any fruit, it's actually because the tree may be dead. The relationship may be irrelevant or absent. When it comes to your faith in Jesus, your belief in him. So today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just look at your life. Are people seeing these nine attributes of me or are they seeing the complete opposite? And then why are they not seeing? If they're seeing fruit in you, if you're living as, as a Christ follower, then here's what I'll tell you to do. Keep it up. Like, just keep it up. Grow in your faith. And if you are not, I want you to consider calling upon the name of Jesus, repenting of your sin, and surrendering yourself to him to live in constant submission to him as Lord and Savior, and then to leave here walking in step with his spirit, growing in his word, spending time with him in prayer, and worshiping his holy name for who he is. Because he has called you and expects you to bear fruit on his namesake. Let's pray.